back to a brand new episode of Meet St. Louis. I'm your host, Alexis Zotos with KMOV. This week, we're talking to the woman behind the wine. Alicia Blackwell Calvert is in the midst of studying for her advanced sommelier exam. There's only a handful of advanced sommeliers in the St. Louis area. Currently, Alicia is the beverage director of Reed's in Maplewood. We sat down with her before dinner service to chat about all things wine uh, and what it means to recently be named one of Wine Enthusiast Magazine's 40 Under 40 Tastemakers. That's out of the entire country. As a woman, she talks to us about breaking into a very male-dominated industry. Plus, she lets us know, of course, her favorite spots to grab a glass of wine around St. Louis. So let's meet Alicia. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Yay. Happy to be here. (laughs) So talk to our listeners a little bit about what you do here at Reed's. Um, So my role here at Reed's is wine director. Um, So that entails um, finding new wines for the wine list, um, coming up with creative ways of teaching the staff about the new wines and uh, the really cool exotic things that we're bringing in because we do things a little differently here at Mm -hmm. Reed's. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was a big part when you guys opened on how such an emphasis, not just on food, but on the wines. Why was that important? Uh, Well, wine has grown all over the world. And I think sometimes when we find a region that we really like or a grape that we really like, we get stuck on it, which is okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there's so much to offer in the world of wine. One of the things that we like to do here at Reeds is um, bring some of those unique things to the forefront. Um, Instead of the Napa Valley Chardonnay, I like shards from... Argentina and New Zealand and Australia, and you can get a lot of that profile that you like about Chardonnay, but from a different producer, a different region, um, you can find something you like all around the world, and we like to emphasize that and bring in new things and small producers that you might not be able to find at a Schnucks or a Deerberg's. You like to find really cool, unique things and highlight those. Do you like What's it like to see someone's face when you suggest a wine and they're maybe apprehensive and then when they try it and they have that, their face lights up? What's that like to see? That is one of the most exciting parts about my job is finding something that someone might be hesitant about or might not be really sure of or just something unique in general and watching their face when they have that first sip. And it's that aha moment for them, something I've had a long time ago, like, wow, wine from this place can be really delicious. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, something I'm not used to or a grape I've never heard before is really good and it pairs with this meal or it's great to cocktail or whatever they're looking for. Um, it makes me all warm and fuzzy inside, <laughs> really. It's, you know, having like someone, yeah, yeah, that joy of finding something new and something that I'm interested in and sharing it with someone is really cool. How do you go about talking to somebody and helping them find that wine? If they look at your wine list and say, oh gosh, I don't know any of this. How do you go about talking to someone and figuring out what they might like? Yeah. So the purpose of what I do and um, the wines on our list isn't to intimidate. You know, it might be 
it's a lot of things that people have not heard of or experienced before. And um, it's okay. It's okay. We pick things that pair well with our food. We pick wines that have a certain flavor profile that most people are used to, but maybe with a twist. Um, that's how we go about picking wine for our list. And it's my role to ask you a couple of questions about what you're into, what you like, um, what you might be eating later mm -hmm. uh, throughout your meal, and honing in on your likes and dislikes and finding something in the cellar that will complement what you're looking for. What are some of those questions that even if someone isn't, you know, maybe that they ask themselves as well when they're picking out wines, what are the things you ask people to help understand what they might like? Yeah, so um, I think that the word, the term sweet is overused. Mm. So um, guests use that a lot to describe what they're looking for. And it's my job to figure out, okay, do you not like sugar or do you not like fruit? Mm. So that's usually the first hurdle I have to get over, <laughs> which is no big deal. Sure. Um, but are you looking for something that is fruit forward? If you do, I'll go to something from the new world, what we call the new world. Or if you like something earthy and rustic, you're looking for a European wine, what we call the old world. Mm -hmm. So I start with that and then kind of hone in on what kind of grapes you like. And if you're looking for something different and unique or want to step outside of your box, that's what I'm here for. Right. Yeah. I imagine it's fun when someone says, yes, I'm willing to experience something new, try something new. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of wines that you could probably get at a lot of the same restaurant or at a lot of restaurants you could get a lot of the same wine. Right. You see a lot of the same labels in restaurants around town and there's nothing wrong with that. Those are wines that are tried and true and very popular with guests and consumers and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but we like to offer the unusual. We like to offer something different, but still really good, mm -hmm. delicious wine. How do you go about putting together your wine menu and how often does it change? Um, at this rate, it changes weekly. A wow. lot of some of the wines I had last week, I don't have this week. It's a lot of purchase and replenish. Um, I get bored really easily, <laughs> and I'm never happy with what I have. So if something sells out, I'll look for a different wine next week of the same style. Hmm. I ran out of Bordeaux last week. So as I'm tasting with my distributors, I'm looking for new Bordeaux around the same price point or maybe something different, whether it be a Cabernet Sauvignon forward Bordeaux or maybe next week I'll want something more Merlot-centered. Um, those are the things I ask myself mm -hmm. when I'm purchasing wine for the restaurant. And you mentioned the tasting, and that is, sounds like a very fun part of your job. Talk to us about that and how you go about exploring these new wines. So... Um, one of the biggest jobs of a sommelier is tasting wine. We taste constantly, whether it be for our own practice, if we're studying for an exam, or running a beverage program, like how I do here at Reed's. Um, so Tuesday is my favorite day of the week. <laughs> Tuesday is when all a lot of my distributors come to Reed's with bags full of wine, and they're trying to sell me new product or have me taste something that I specifically asked for, um, that's, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's, you know, nine to five tasting wine right. on Right, sounds Tuesday. like everyone's dream job. Yeah, it is a dream job. You actually spit a lot of it out. No one can get through their job um, drinking that much wine. So <laughs> yeah. I don't taste wine to drink it. I taste to, you know, 
taste the flavors, the aromas, the texture. I ask myself, is this going to pair with um, a specific dish or different styles of food on the current menu? How do you figure that out when, obviously, the menu changes here regularly, the wine menu changes here? How... What comes first? Do you get a great wine and go to the chef and say, I've got this great wine? Does the chef come to you and say, this is what we're doing? Let's find something great that complements. How does that work? Okay. Cool part about Reeves is that I have a really good relationship with our chef owner, uh, Matthew Doaday. Um, he's from St. Louis, mm-hmm. um, so he has his own following. Um, he is very brilliant and creative chef, and he knows how to balance flavors. And the fun part about working with him is the back and forth. Um, I'll taste a new dish, and I'll say, oh, okay, uh, Pinot Noir or uh, Grenache from Australia would be perfect for this. What can I find to complement mm-hmm. this dish? Or if I find something really cool and unique, I'll bring it to chef. Hey, chef, I've never had, um, ooh, what did I have recently? Moroccan Syrah. What do you think about ooh. this? And he's like, yeah, this would be really good with harissa and these vegetables and these meats, that would be a really good pairing. How Again. fun is that to have that kind of relationship uh, with the chef? It's key. Um, for a restaurant our size and, um, and for what we do here, um, having a close relationship and having communication is definitely, definitely key. We're small, privately owned um, it's a small business, mm-hmm. so you have to be open and, um, you know, be open to other people's opinions and uh, what they want to see in the restaurant as well. I love that Reed's does feel so small. Like It feels like your neighborhood spot that you can just come, you know, up to the bar, grab a glass of wine, or come for more special occasions. How... What does it mean to you when people choose to come spend those special occasions here at Reed's? Um, it's, uh, wow, it's it's very humbling. Um, kind of take it for granted being here for hours every day. Um, you know, it's like a family here, and it has that family feel. And when someone comes in and they appreciate what we do or find value in the hard work we put in to make reads what it is people enjoy that it's it's definitely humbling and um, we have a sense of pride like wow you really like that combination they really like that dish they want to spend their birthday here their mm-hmm. anniversary their bridal shower um, you know we have a full dining room upstairs um, and we do private parties up there during the week quite often it's a lot of that you know coming in and you know, spending time with us and, right. and you know, having special occasion upstairs. Yeah, I think because it's, it's one of those restaurants that can be that special occasion restaurant, but you don't feel like you've got to be all stuffy with the white tablecloths, things like that. No, and it's, I think Reed's is unique in that, in that you can come to the bar, you can have a shot of old granddad bonded <laughs> and a burger, or you can sit in my section upstairs and I can sell you a $200 bottle of wine and, you know, a five-course meal. You make reads what you want it to be, and that's why it's so special. You know, we have our highlights. Our small plates menu is phenomenal. Um, Those are some of the best-selling dishes on the menu, and 
we recommend just coming in and doing several of those right. to make your meal. Trying things out. If you out. want, you know, salad, steak, and dessert, you can do that too. <laughs> um, it's whatever but everyone you has want to get the cornbread be. because that cornbread is. You have to pick up the cornbread. <laughs> It's the best. It's a requirement. (laughs) Right? We'll be sad if you don't. Yeah. Um, The way I I tell people, especially if it's their first time here, I tell people to kind of just get them to eat like how I like to eat. Mm -hmm. I like to start with cornbread and cheese, and I do a bunch of small plates. I might split an entree with someone and then do dessert. Yes. That's how I like to eat. That's how I recommend other people eating. Mm-hmm. And I I like getting half glasses of a lot of wine instead okay. of committing to one glass or a bottle. So you guys do half glasses? Oh, and, oh yeah. Oh. oh yeah. That lets people, I guess, try a lot more than... Yeah, you can and, try as much or as little as you like. Mm-hmm. So talk to me a little bit about your background. I mean, has wine always been your interest? No. <laughs> No, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Oh. Um, I wanted to work with horses and cows and, you know, be a large animal vet. And I am not. I am not that. No. Um, that's Did something what I scare you to away do. from that? No, oh, money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paying for college scared me away from that. Right, right. Um, no, I had a little... Um, um, financial aid Mm. snafu Mm -hmm. so it brought me back home and I started waiting tables um I don't know I was in my early 20s maybe and I actually enjoyed waiting tables and talking to people about food and you know like the whole the whole um concept of being hospitable and kind of sharing your knowledge and what you like at a restaurant with other people kind of fascinates me And in my journey of being a server, I realized that I really like talking about wine with Mm -hmm. guests. And when they asked for food and wine pairings, I kind of perked up. like, oh, you want me to pick a wine with your food? And, you know, that whole kind of concept of putting food and wine together and that being the highlight of someone's day, I thought that was fascinating. And so when did you think, okay, let me take a next step here. Yeah. So um, back, I don't know, I was 24, 25. I was working at Oceano in Mm -hmm. Clayton and I kind of had an epiphany. Like, why don't I focus on wine? That's what I like to do. I love to drink. I mean, I'm 25. Of course I like to drink. (laughs) Of course I love to drink. Um, But the idea of, you know, working with wine and spirits for a living. was kind of... It's kind of a new concept. I yeah. didn't think about doing that before. And an opportunity came along that I could work for a distributor, sell wine to restaurants and retail stores full time, and also learn more about wine. And I took the opportunity. That's And I'm sure there is, did you have at that point a lot to learn or had you already started? I, I knew nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I thought I knew. I'm like, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I can pair Chardonnay with your seafood. Right. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and then you step into the world of wine, and like, I don't know anything about wine, but that's okay. You know, it's the journey and um, finding um, new regions and new grapes you've never heard of. And um, one of the things that always fascinated me about wine was the science behind it and why Merlot in the right bank Bordeaux 
tastes nothing like Merlot from Napa Valley. Mm-hmm. I had to find out why. And that there's so much science to it. It's just incredible. And yes. I, I think some people are like, nope, don't want to know. I just want to drink it. But for someone like you, you wanted to know. And that's what kind of pursued that passion or right. fueled that passion. I right. Guess. You know, I'm a, a science geek by nature. <laughs> so I have to find out the why and the how and what if. So um, the cool thing about wine is that all of that can be found in the whole world of wine. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know, it goes deeper than that, just how sunlight hits the grapes. And if the grapes are grown on sand as opposed to clay, as opposed to limestone, that all does something completely different to the vine. Yeah. So getting to taste the differences and try to figure out if it changes, so fun. And so then, so you work in a distributor and then... I work with a distributor. Um, I've worked with two distributors so far. Um, Eoni Atlantic was my very first distribution job. And then uh, a few years after that, um, I worked for Vintegrity Wine and Spirits, uh, which is my job prior to Reed's. Okay. Okay. When did you decide that you wanted to maybe get back into the restaurant aspect of things? I didn't decide. Okay. I'm not sure if... I made that decision on my own. <laughs> um, so, you know, I was very happy at Integrity. I was there for 17 months or so. Uh, really amazing company. Um, really thoughtful pro- portfolio. Um, so I was very content with what I was doing. Um, it was a great living. Um, but the December of 2000, what year is it? 2016. 2016, yeah. Um, now master sommelier, Andre Ivanov, who was, was the previous beverage director at Reed's, um, approached me with a, an opportunity to be a sommelier. So it was something that I wasn't looking for. I was mm-hmm. approached with the opportunity. Okay. And it took me a couple of weeks to make that decision on if I, you know, if I wanted to leave what I was doing and be a sommelier, come back to the restaurant. Was that scary? Before. It was scary. It's a really scary decision you know you're leaving something that's very comfortable and doing something a I haven't done for a while Mm -hmm. and b at this point I had already gotten my certified sommelier but I wasn't a working som right so it's so you had gotten your certificate you had already become a you had taken that first test yeah I had already taken that first test gotcha um while I was working as a distributor sure so most people do it while they're working in a restaurant I I don't go about things in an orthodox manner. There you so. go. Well, it makes you <laughs> make you makes you special. And we were talking about this beforehand. All that goes into taking that initial test, and it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, so to be a sommelier, a certified sommelier, it's a three part examination. Um, there's a blind tasting portion, a service practicum, and a uh, theory examination. And you take all of that in one day. You get your results, and I mean, and there it's, you go. And there you go. It's a little more than that. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty pretty intense. So I've been a certified sommelier for oh gosh, three years now. Okay, and I'm actually sitting to take my advanced sommelier. Right. Um, so you're in later the midst October, of that. So I'm in the midst of taking that next step, um, that next step towards the master diploma, which is the coveted um, fourth level. Sommelier exam. Um, is that a is that a goal one day to take? It that is a master? goal. You know, I 
we all have goals in our job, and, and that's kind of the pinnacle of my career is getting to that point, or at least attempting to get to that point. There's less than 300 master sommeliers in the world. Um, so the chances of that happening, it's not in my favor. Um, <laughs> Math to do, but, but, but it's again, something to I'm dream towards. Yeah, it's a, it's a dream, and I'm a student at heart. So I'm pursuing it because I, I love the pursuit of wine mm -hmm. and learning about it. Um, and I love serving people, and that's what it is. If you're pursuing the Master Sommelier exam because you want a pin or you want that title, you're doing it for the wrong reason. It's about servicing others and making sure the guest has the best possible time. That's what it's about. What, does anything intimidate you about it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an expensive, expensive exam. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you're spending a lot of times your own money and it's over a thousand dollars you're paying per section of this test. Mm. And you have to pass all three parts. Um, I mean, you have three tries to get all three portions, mm -hmm. and it's only um, it's only given one time a year. So right. a lot of people, you know, have taken this exam six, seven times and still haven't passed. Wow, that's intimidating. People that I respect, I've known for a long time, who are a lot smarter than me, have been doing it for a lot longer than me. Um, you know, it's it's hard. It's tough. And but you no have that drive that you want to go for it. I have, I have the drive. I believe I have what it takes to get there. Mm -hmm. um, I believe in myself. Um, you know, I've had good success with the um, certified sommelier. I got the top score uh, for that exam. Thank you so much. <laughs> so I think that was a boost to, like, I'm in the right field. I mm -hmm. know what I'm doing. I have to have the confidence that I know what I'm doing and then make sure it shows on the floor during a test, mm -hmm. and, you know, when it really counts. Right. Um, what I do here at Reeds is practice. You're practicing every, every night. <laughs> you practice every night. So, so that's kind of one of the main reasons I decided to go from being a distributor to back on the floor, knowing that um, the sommelier examination is a, it's a practice test. It's a service examination. Mm -hmm. So... So you have to have that practice <laughs> right. to get there. And, and then you get to interact yeah. with people, which is what you sort of love and thrive on, it right. seems like. And you were telling me that in St. Louis, we have very, there's only a few advanced sommeliers in the very, city. Very, very few. Lots of certifieds. There's mm -hmm. a lot of certified sommeliers in town. A lot of them don't work in restaurants currently, um, which is kind of fascinating, too. They're in other fields. Mm -hmm. um, so that's fun. But uh, very few advanced sommeliers and... Uh, no master sommeliers, kind of. You can claim <laughs> one. Yeah, Andre Ivanov, you know, is St. Louis, born and raised, and he moved to San Francisco nine months ago, but we still claim him. And he just received. He just received it. That's pretty incredible. Um, and you've also, not only are you studying, um, but you've also been honored with uh, a recent honor by Wine Enthusiast uh -oh. Magazine. Yes. <laughs> you, just, yeah. you just picked up your copy or taken yeah, some photos? Yeah, I just picked up tell, my copy. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, so I was awarded by Wine Enthusiast Magazine um, as one of their top 40, under 40 tastemakers mm -hmm. of 2018. Um, why this is special is that it's not 
just an award for sommeliers mm -hmm. or people in a restaurant. It's beverage altogether. Um, it's winemakers and importers and cider makers. And so it's a huge it's a group huge to choose from. It's a huge group to choose from. You know, it's, it's not just about wine for this award. And I think that's why it's so special is that, you know, amongst all of the beverage professionals that are amazing in the U.S., um, they decided that I am one of them. One of them, which is What was super it like flattering. when they told you that you were picked? Um, yeah. So <laughs> that was a crazy email. Um, uh, yeah. I was still in bed and I'm flipping through my phone. I'm like, oh, it's an email from Wine Enthusiast. Okay, cool. And I open it up and I'm like, 40 under 40? <laughs> what? <laughs> Insane. I was um, in disbelief. Yeah. Um, I read it. I read it again. <laughs> I'm like, congratulations. Whoa. Ran and told my husband, I've got tears streaming down my face. Yeah. It's an amazing honor and it's still unbelievable. I still can't believe mm -hmm. that's happened to me. And you are in the magazine this month. I'm in it. And uh, it's the you, October issue. You went and did a photo shoot for it, I saw. Yeah, in San Francisco. How was that? It was it was so much fun. <laughs> um getting to meet the other awardees and uh, hearing their backgrounds and the cool, amazing, interesting things that young people are doing now to make the beverage industry you know, more sustainable, more interesting, more exciting. Um, yeah, it's the future of food and beverage. And especially as a, I, you know, I, as a, as a woman, as a young woman in yes. this business, uh, I imagine fairly rare still. Um, it's getting better. Mm -hmm. It's getting better. Um, one thing I did love about this particular issue was the diversity. Mm -hmm. I think one enthusiast did a really good job of, um, getting a wide spectrum of people to represent beverage in this issue. It's really amazing. Lots of women, uh, people of color, um, and just different backgrounds. That was really cool. High five to one enthusiast. How, why is that important that we see more women in this business, more diversity in this business? Uh, I mean, I think you know, it's every business, but especially this I'll, business. I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, kind of finding my way and my path in food and wine, like looking through magazines and reading articles, there was no one that looked like me. And there was a long time I thought that I was the only person of color that enjoyed wine. So we know that's not true. We know <laughs> yeah. that's not true. But on the professional level, I didn't see any representation. Right. And it wasn't until I watched the movie Psalm. Okay. Um, uh, Dylan Proctor, uh, attractive black man, that's very attractive black man um, going for his master sommelier. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, that's someone who looks like me that has the same interest. And I think that's why I love that movie so much. Like um, just... identifying with someone who can represent you. Uh, it, it means a lot. It's so right. I mean, hearing you say that it just exemplifies why representation and diversity across all spectrums is so important mm -hmm. in movies and commercials and magazines and things like mm -hmm. that because there are little girls out there, little boys out there that want to see right. someone that looks like them doing right. what they love. Wine is for, wine is for everyone. Mm -hmm. You know, wine is made all over the world by, I mean, a rainbow of colors of people and nationalities mm -hmm. and wine is something that it doesn't matter like what you look like what you're into, what your background is, how much money you make. 
um, everyone, I mean, if you like one, you like wine. Right, right. And, and that's what it's about. And not being able to see that in magazines, um, you know, trying to find my way in wine was, it was, it was, I don't know, that always, always kind of bothered me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know they're out there. I talk to them, but you don't see it. Right. You Do know, you, you see the, you know, the older, older white guy, yeah. you know, bringing the bottle out mm-hmm. in, in like movies and mm-hmm. things like that. And I, yeah. Do you hope it's that continues certain to grow people. and change? Especially oh, it, with, it will. I mean, I feel like wine especially is is people are realizing it doesn't have to be stuffy and it doesn't have to be no. expensive and things no. like that. And, and and I feel like when you have a restaurant like Reed's that has such an incredible wine program that it helps shift that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, do you hope to be kind of at that forefront of changing that idea, especially here in St. Louis? I would I would hope so. Yeah. Um, oh, a lot of what I do is um, discovering what's new mm-hmm. and exciting in the world of wine and having a platform where I can bring that forward. You know, I'm highlighting the wines of Portugal. Portugal makes fantastic, delicious wines. Mm-hmm. If you love Napa, if you love um, a majority of other things, uh, there's no reason that you wouldn't like Portugal. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you go to a typical restaurant in town, you won't see anything Portuguese or Greek or... Oh, my God. Like, Greek wine was delicious this I summer. I love Greek. Can we talk about Greek yes. wine later? Yes. It was <laughs> it's so a good. of mine. Um, um, you don't I'm, see that. I'm blanking on the grape. It starts with an A. A uh, Yeritigo? Y- yes, I think that is it. Or is it white? Um, it's white. A Yeritigo. Okay. That's it. Yes. yes. That's my time. jam. Oh, my God. It was so good. And I... <laughs> Need to find it in St. Louis. I love, I love delicious when we were there this summer. Um, what are you drinking right now that you're loving? I love bubbles. Um, yeah, <laughs> I spend a lot of my own money on on bubbles, especially champagne. Yeah, champagne is the heart and soul of bubble production in the world. You know, someone opens a bottle of champagne, like. I'm not talking sparkling wine that's like eight bucks. I'm talking like Actual true champagne, champagne from France, uh, the, the good stuff. Right. You know, there's something um, kind of sexy about how it bubbles in the glass and it's so complex on the palate and the nose, sourdough and apples and hazelnuts. It's there's so much going on and champagne pairs with everything yes it so, does we had some of sushi last night actually oh, we were wedding planning so i was like you know what let's open up a nice bottle mm-hmm. and make this special um but being, but it could uh, be a wednesday night and yeah <laughs> being a student of wine though i can't drink champagne every day um so you know i'll open a bottle of prosecco mm-hmm. or cava i'm really into bubbles from england oh um i've been into them for the last several months um I mean, I can get into the technicality of it, but um, England and the Champagne region um, share the same soil type. Oh. Um, they're in that basin, mm-hmm. um, the Paris Basin, actually. Um, so where the cliffs of Dover start mm-hmm. and where Champagne is, they actually share oh. the same soil. It, okay. Yeah. So it goes across that. Fun Water. facts. Yeah, fun facts. <laughs> and with that being said... You probably said, are filled with lots of fun facts, especially as you're studying so yeah. much. Yeah. Oh, I can... <laughs> 
I can go all day. Um, but with global warming, now southern England is warming up, mm. and they can produce world-quality wine now. Interesting. Um, so that's what I'm into. I always have English bubbles on the list. Very cool. You know, it's so fascinating. The last time I was in Napa, we talked a lot about the way the planet's changing and how that's affecting the wine and the wine industry and the wine regions. And it's really interesting uh, how much it can change, especially with the drought and then the rain and just so many things that no one really thinks about when they're taking a sip of their wine. Right. That's, that's why what your job is. Knowing your vintages are important. That's my job to know vintages and what's good, where, at what time. Leave that to me. I'm happy to help you. Don't you know the years that it rained right. crazy much. That's, that's not for you to try to – you can't ask anyone to do that. Um, but what, what I will say, um, definitely trust your, your sommelier or your beverage professional. Um, for example, people, <laughs> people crap on the 2011 vintage in Napa Valley. Mm-hmm. It rained. It wasn't really good, blah, blah, blah. And don't buy 2011s. Not true, actually. (laughs) Um, Napa Valley is a large place. And yeah, sure, the valley didn't get the best best vintage, but Napa Valley on the hillsides in 2011 were perfectly fine. Mm. So to say, oh, don't drink 2011 from Napa, there's some things you can drink from Napa. And that's kind of why you're demonstrating how much a professional like you can help make those decisions, pick those things. Right. So that I don't have to remember what your no. anything was. <laughs> no. It's my job to remember. Um, um, so we always love to share with our listeners some things and some places they might not know. So I'm curious where you're drinking wine at. If you're going to grab a glass of wine, whether it's a restaurant or a wine mm-hmm. bar in St. Louis, um, <laughs> I'm going to give you a, a tough one. We're also, again, remember everyone live we're recording these in the restaurant, so yes, it's a we're, live we're, restaurant we're cooking right things now. or we are blending something. Things. I'm not sure what's happening back there in, in Matthew's kitchen. Yeah, um, he's making something yummy. <laughs> um, but where where are you going to drink? Um, what bars are you sidling up to for a good glass of wine? Okay, so I'm, I'm spoiled. <laughs> um, so luckily for me, I made a lot of contacts being a distributor mm-hmm. and a lot of relationships that I still value. So those are the people I like to support when I go out. Um, so when I was a wine rep, um, I became really good friends with Mark Hinkle, mm-hmm. Mark and Jennifer Hinkle. Um, they now own Olive and Oak and Webster Groves. And I also happen to be from Webster Groves. There you um, go. So that's definitely a place that mm-hmm. you will probably find me if I'm not on the clock. Um, really um, uh, progressive, wine list, really amazing food. Jesse does some magic in the kitchen. So um, and then I also feel like home, like going to Olive and Oak. I feel like I'm back at home in Webster Groves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm there a lot drinking and eating all the things and having Another cocktails. place with delicious small plates. Yes. Um, where else am I going? Mm, where do I go? I usually don't get out of this building until like 11 o'clock. Um, so if I want a good bite and a good drink when I get off work, I'll go to taste. Um, since I drink wine for a living, mm-hmm. um, I don't drink a lot of okay. wine when I'm not in that the building. Yeah, I like a good cocktail. Mm-hmm. So I'll go to taste, have a really good cocktail, um, have a little bite to eat, and then go home and study. 
<laughs> studying is your life. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I try to go all over the place. Um, I have my favorites, but I try to, I mean, all the cool places in town, I've been there at least once. I really enjoy Louis on Demun. So good. Um, Louis gets a lot of shout outs. Oh my yeah. God, that prosciutto. It's the prosciutto. I've been to Italy. <laughs> it reminds me of Italy. I go there and I feel like I'm back in Italy. And they have a small wine list, but it is a fun it's so one. so good. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, last time I was there, um, I was looking on the, you know, on the back bar and I spotted a white wine from this region of Italy um, that I was in like six years ago. And I love that wine so much. I brought home two bottles from Italy. And wow. now it is, you know, I haven't seen it here at all. No one imported it, but now they have it. This random bottle of this random wine I just fell in love with. That's amazing. Um, it was meant to be. It was meant to be. <laughs> You're meant to so see I it. Got a bottle and drank it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. What's your advice for people who, I mean, again, maybe order the same Chardonnay every time they go? What's that last piece of advice you want to leave for for our listeners? Um, you know, I'll, I'll say this. There's no right. And there's no right and wrong in wine. Drink what you love. Um, do what you do what you want to do. Um, <laughs> but I will I will remind you that the world of wine is vast, and there's someone making that style of wine that you love in 20 other regions of the world. So so I like to experiment. I'm again a scientist, inquisitive. Um, you can find something you like in any country, any region. It's there. So take a chance. Take a chance. Have someone help you. That's what I'm here for. You can pick up a copy of Wine Enthusiast Magazine and find Alicia's profile on stands this month. Or you can, of course, head to Reads every night of the week for her recommendations on wine. Don't forget our advice and definitely get the cornbread. If you like this episode, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a review. Give us some stars on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. This episode was produced and edited by JJ Bailey.